0: Welcome to the Wellness Alchemy Podcast. I'm your host Janelle Twine, naturopath, herbalist and nutritionist and the owner of Seeds of Health. I work one-on-one with clients, helping them to navigate the puzzle pieces of their health scenario. I love diving into the truth of a situation and also honouring how our body is always speaking to us. I run fasting retreats both on the Sunshine Coast and in far North Queensland and you can find out more information at Seeds of Health. Today on the podcast we've got Linda James. Linda James owns a business called Vallow Financials and she is a corporate accountant and she works as a money coach as well, helping empathetic, thoughtful, intuitive and creative business owners to unravel challenging monetary beliefs and patterns. She uncomplicates business finances so that small business owners can create sustainable and profitable businesses that improve their lives and others. And today on the podcast, I love how Linda dives into the fact that small business owners can choose to take care of themselves and not glorify being busy. It is similar to grassroots activism, Linda believes, because small business owners get to change the trajectory of how things are consumed and how people are treated. Linda believes small business business is the fabric of how communities exist, and the fact that the more empathetic and kind ways we do business, the better it is for both parties. So let's dive into today's episode. All right, welcome to the podcast, Linda. Thank you. So we're going to talk about wellness and money today Um, and with your background as an accountant, I'd love to know what inspired you to work specifically with business owners to encourage them to feel more comfortable around money and honoring their needs when owning a business.
1: Yeah, I think as um, an ex-corporate accountant, there was a point uh, when I was doing another like $200 million budget that I started to recognize that It just wasn't um really changing anything, you know, it wasn't creating a better world for my kids to live in. It wasn't meaning that I could have more time off. Um, and I decided that eventually I'd have to step away and do something that felt more meaningful. Mm. And it particularly came after my second child. Um, I was like, I just can't keep turning up to work and sitting in this glass box. In this air-conditioned room staring at a screen for the sake of looking at you know making some numbers be bigger mm. and it dawned on me that as i looked around our suburb like all the small shops were starting to close or you know the chain supermarkets were taking over there's like maybe one fruit and veg place independently left and i was just like what what's happening here that um how come the corporates can thrive but these small businesses aren't what's missing. Mm. And interestingly, I was working um, as a business analyst, which meant I spent all my time looking at how this particular business made their money. But then when I was chatting to a friend who ran her own business, she's like, what do you mean? I just have a tax accountant and a bookkeeper. And then it dawned on me that there was this kind of gap. So what, the, what we were doing in the corporate world was really understanding you know like how money was made but in the small business world it was just centered around what tax do you have to pay and have you put this stuff into a bookkeeping system that lets you know how much tax you have to pay basically mm, mm. so yeah, taking out the I guesswork decided. perhaps sorry say that T- again.
0: taking out the guesswork perhaps for small business
1: yeah, definitely. And so this is the thing is that there was no time or resources put into that piece of the puzzle. Mm. Um and the like in the corporate world, like there was, you know, for a large global business, maybe five tax accountants, mm. um, and the and the equivalent of bookkeepers, but the other hundred staff, you know, over a hundred staff was filling in this gap which just wasn't available to people in small business. Um, yeah so i think that was it i kind of was like there's a gap in the market here like we need to be supporting small business more if that's what we want to see in our communities Mm. and that's when i started helping before i left the corporate world i started helping small business already and like feeling out what it would be like and i was totally lit up doing it and then i would go back to the glass (laughs) air-conditioned you know in the city and feel hooked down Um, and dreary and I was like okay I think it's pretty evident what I need to be doing here
0: (laughs) yeah yeah interesting I've really loved working with you and and trying to to navigate the back end of my business and um Yeah, I guess my next question is I I love that you believe our business doesn't need to be ginormous or seek infinite growth to be profitable and on purpose. So I wanted you to speak to that. And I think, you know, having watched some of your Insta stories while you've been living in Greece, I really have loved um, what you share about small business and and village markets and just that whole... um, but would it be right to say the backbone of small business or the, the, the birth or the origin of small business? Um, hopefully that all ties into the same question, but if you could just speak to what you feel is coming up first there, I think, um, yeah, more people need to know about it.
1: Yeah, so I think, like, we can't – we cannot – negate that in our society that small business really is like you know this fabric or this interwoven piece of how communities exist and um codependencies on supermarkets or large corporates have not been very valuable for our health whatsoever Mm. you know we see ourselves overworking we're undernourished you know we're we're not having proper rest uh we've become consumers instead of just citizens or community members and so i guess in coming to europe there has been this kind of remembering that's happened for me as i go into markets um or uh like at least here in crete um there's there's a lot of small businesses still there aren't shopping malls um the like we see this in asia as well i guess that there are many many small business owners still out in the marketplace but that's diminishing i guess in the west um Mm. and i think that's actually quite a scary place to be in so for me um I guess there's a definite link between our health and the major, like the proportion of small businesses that are in our economies
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that then started to become something that was a huge passion of mine because I see that that uh the more empathetic and considerate and kind I guess ways that we do business which essentially, you know, historically is just an exchange of resources, which we now use money for because that's just easier than bartering because otherwise you're going like, I don't need a whole lamb, you know, for my (laughs) six lettuces. (laughs) We need a small portion of it. So we use money for convenience more than anything. But I see that as in the West, things have shifted to look at things like profit maximisation or exponential growth we've forgotten what the origin of business was to begin with. And so when you come to old countries, um, not that I'm saying Australia is not an old country, but we are, I guess, a country where business is somewhat new. Mm. Um, It's almost like being forgotten or not addressed. And it's like, we need to bring that back in. It's an exchange of resources. And so then the things like exponential growth become almost redundant because then you can feel out for yourself Where is the right, um, you know, like level of business for me? Mm. So for someone like me, I guess I can can use myself as an example. Um, I'm not looking to run an empire or a massive business. I actually love to have a certain amount of hours in my week that is work related but then I actually want to be able to pick up my kids or to be able to help them with homework. I don't want to be sitting in an, in an office or I could have stayed in the corporate world. Hmm. Um, for somebody else, that might look completely different. Um, they might actually really prefer to work at night, you know, and they want to do something like that. So I think the volume of business um, or the, the volume of your sales is really dependent on what your goals are and it's not necessarily just financial goals but it's like lifestyle goals as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. And and working with you to get clear on um what well as you said what your goal is or where your joy is, where what that what that sweet balance is and and not tipping over that so that you can maintain balance and health yeah, while running a, a business.
1: By Paul Jarvis, called Company of One, mm-hmm. and I remember reading that book and just thinking, "Oh, he's speaking to me." Mm. Like he wasn't—he wasn't negating the need for growth because business, to some degree, does need growth. Like I'm, you know, like you don't want to maybe be un, like running your business smaller than it could be. Um, but he was saying, "How about we just, you know, rationally kind of question it? Am I doing this to make more money?" is it actually then going to benefit what I want out of my business or am I growing it just because this is what I've been told?
0: Mm, Yeah. And I also think when you're running a business that has the right balance in it and is um, also within your zone of genius and you support other businesses where that person is in their zone of genius, that's just like there's just beautiful cohesion there as opposed to stretching ourselves so thin wearing ourselves out having all of these unrealistic expectations and as you said you may as well be back in the corporate world or doing a job that you know doesn't require all of this um, additional stress that you're not getting paid for
1: exactly yeah and I think that some of those things that you mentioned are so ingrained in our culture that we've not even stop to question it until Mm. we become unwell Mm -hmm. or there's like a complete imbalance in our lives and something's playing up
0: yeah and
1: for me like I became really unwell um after having my second child and I think that that also then triggered me pondering like I've done all the right things I went to university I got a good job I have a house husband kids like you know why am I happy and healthy Mm. Like that was the ultimate question instead I'm sick and um, I'm just basically rushing around town, dropping kids and people everywhere to then start my work day and get home at seven o'clock at night. Mm. Um, and it just didn't make sense. Mm. I was like, I can't be the only person questioning this normalization of overwork and exhaustion.
0: Yeah. And I think something else we've talked about is just the glorification of the word busy. And that's something I've um, felt so resistant to for years is, is you know having conversations around the word "busy," where there's, it's like there's an undercurrent of competition. It's like, well, I'm busier. I, I just, I just have never resonated with. Um, I've always felt off. It's always felt yuck to, to um, yeah, talk about how full one of the great my week is.
1: Things of going to old countries or traveling is that you see people live different ways. Mm. So, in when we lived in Italy previously, and they don't, and it's the same in Greece here, they don't glorify busy, and then you start to have a look around and you're like, oh, they're sitting and just looking out at the street in the afternoon, you mm. know, or they're in, like nothing's open here on a Sunday. Mm. So you can't even go shopping. Bunnings would make no money here. <laughs> <Nobody's renovating. laughs> they're like that wall over there has been good for a hundred years. Nobody needs to repaint it or replaster it just yet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like hundred
1: years in that wall.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you said they're not doing anything, although I assume that you don't mean that literally. Of course, they're you know they're connecting. They're either connecting back to themselves or to their neighbour or Correct. to people in the street, and and that strengthens a community.
1: Definitely. So I think this comes back to at least when I ponder about observing these cultures is that, you know, there's, there's the state of being active and then there's the state of being receptive.
2: Mm.
1: And so um, when we're in activity, you know, like we're doing things and, you know, we're, we're off being productive or busy or whatever the things are, we in our culture have only taken that to be the priority. But then over here, they're still being receptive. So you're right. It's not that they're doing nothing. You know like um which isn't a bad thing to do nothing either but they are they're being receptive you know they're observing i guess the nature around them they're probably paying attention to weather patterns they're looking at you know what's happening they're connecting with their family mm. and as much as shops aren't open on a sunday uh, restaurants will be and you generally see that a lot of people out with their family either on the beach or you know just in a local tavern and Um, having lunch together, like big long tables of families Mm. um, hanging out. So, yeah, it's just, it's a very different um, way of being, I guess. Yeah, so it's Mm. like, how how do we ourselves have this relationship between being active and being receptive Mm. um, in our own lives and also in our own businesses? Because, you know, when you own your own business, it's up to you to create that. So the idea around I guess for me what a sustainable business is is not just from an ecological sense that it is sustainable but it's sustainable for us as well and if this balance between being active and receptive or doing and being is out of balance then that's when our health plays up Mm. but I guess the key juggle that we make is how do I do that and also ensure that I have the profitability kind of ingrained in my business that then I can allow my you know like yeah, allow myself to be in this kind of, uh, receptive state. So I'm not always having
0: to be active. Yeah. So you're not having downtime, but worrying about how you're going to either justify not working or, um, well, yeah, it is justification really. How can I justify this holiday or this day off? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you may have answered this before, but I'm just curious if you've got anything more to add. So, I definitely identify as a sensitive soul, and I, I, I've really appreciated working with you because I feel like that is um, not acknowledged. Um, I mean, it is acknowledged, but it's, um, it's just woven through the needs of how I choose to run my business or manage my wellness in having a business. So, um, yeah, you have definitely acknowledged to me that you know as. Business owners, we don't need to override our empathy or emotions to have a healthy, successful business. Do you have anything that you could speak to around that?
1: Yeah, I think that um one of the interesting things we've kind of been, I guess, observing from afar in the business world is that we think that, you know, like there's no place for empathy or emotion really. Like you just make the resourceful decision like the data or check out the numbers and then make your decision from there but I think that that's obviously one of the biggest downfalls of the way that we've been doing business which is why people are becoming unwell and the environments in the state that it is so when it comes to then acknowledging that these things are important that we should be more empathetic um, we can't do that without taking into consideration you know how the business owner themselves feels Mm. as well so whether somebody feels like they're sensitive or they're really quite intuitive or creative um yeah or even emotional I think that it's just part of being doing this um in a more holistic way I guess you could say or a more wholesome way is Mm. the way that it feels for me because what happens is that when we try to uh negate that there's emotion involved when we're exchanging you know resources or products or whatever with people is that we start to then almost harden the way that we feel and Mm. that just doesn't feel right to me you know it's like oh do I need to disassociate or do I need to shut down how I feel about this um just doesn't seem right at all and I think if we go back to like we said before the origins of business being just people exchanging stuff between themselves Um, then you can't not be emotional about that or empathetic about that and consider it. The problem, I think, occurs when maybe we're acting from a place that is not so, I guess, considered or intentional or conscious. Like say we're overly emotional about something or we're being overly empathetic, we might negate our own needs for the sake of providing something for somebody else.
2: Hmm. And
1: women are quite, you know... I guess women kind of lean into this being over-empathetic a bit more. But if we can pull that back and we can understand that, yes, it's cool to have, you know, be emotional about how we do things or to allow emotion in, which is really important, you know, and empathy, super important as well, I actually think we're going to create an economy which is much more kind of kind and considered. Mm. So it's about finding that balance between the two.
0: Yeah, and also potentially something more long-lasting because the whole person is considered within the running of the business. Mm.
1: Well, this is the interesting thing, right, is that when we think about the way that business is done and say we're observing it from afar, so if I'm watching what's happening in the city or a corporate Um, and I see that these people are being, you know, overworking, like they're rushing, they're dropping kids at before school care, they're just getting home quickly, making dinner, and the rest of it. When I observe that as a business owner and I take into consideration how I feel, that doesn't feel very good for me. Like, I've tried it, it didn't work. Um, Then when I consider how that feels for the other person, if that's what they have to do to be able to provide that service or product for me, like, it's almost like I don't want... I don't want to impose that upon them either. Mm. So if we take into consideration how we feel and how the other people also feel in providing that service or whatever, like if somebody has to overwork and, um, you know, not be there for their child when they need to be or their pet or, you know, they're um, making decisions that are not in line with their values to provide something to me at a lower price, like particularly in pricing, like I I don't want to be part of that. I want Mm. to pay more so that the other person is well cared for and they're providing a sustainable, you know, considered option
2: Mm. for me to
1: have in this transaction or exchange. Mm. So it it does go both ways. Like I think the things that almost, I feel like repulse is the word for me, the things that Mm -hmm. repulse me about what was happening in the corporate world or what happens when we start to um, industrialize every piece of whatever you know commodities we need to survive that is always an indicator of the things that i need to make a priority or that i know other values in my own business mm. and i want to have that for others as well it's as simple as that
0: yeah i think also i'd add that um you know you acknowledge that you're happy you're happy to pay more for a service or a product, if that keeps the other person healthy and happy. I also think it causes us to reassess where we put our money. So, um, you know, that ties into the whole consumerism cycle. And rather than just throwing money on things that maybe aren't core values or needs, you know, we only have so much money to spend based on whatever our lifestyle is set up around. How are we going to choose that? And where are we going to put our money um, consciously?
1: Yeah, pricing is a really interesting thing. So when I think about pricing, pricing actually enacts discernment um, when it comes to making financial decisions. It's actually a really key thing to discuss, I guess you could say, because when, when we have been sold the idea that. But you know, like, why don't you just buy the cheapest thing that's available? Um, then we start to almost lose discernment. We start to then go, well, but but why why is that cheaper? Or what is not happening for that to then be a cheaper option? So price sensitivity has almost been sold to us as a good thing. But I actually think sometimes paying more for something creates like this uh, cyclical kind of impact. Of that, we're more discerning in what we purchase than we actually are more considered in the way that we treat or consume the thing that we've purchased. Mm. Um, I almost feel like it's a bit more satiating, you know. When oh, we, definitely. When we aren't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So when we are running our own business, one of, I guess, the biggest things that we always kind of can butt up against is will somebody pay this much? for whatever it is that I'm offering. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And the way that I try to reframe that, because obviously I'm big on it being a sustainable and profitable business, is that it's like actually rather than being concerned, like is this price sensitive shopper coming and it's going to be too expensive for them. What if we reframed that and thought at my sustainable and profitable price, does that enact enough discernment in this person that then they're going to consciously consume or purchase the thing that I'm offering mm. because this then slows down, I guess, the sales cycle. You know, it, it it creates this almost financial response in the way that we work as humans of going, do I really want this thing?
2: Mm-hmm. It's no
1: longer a throwaway or cheap item. Mm. It's like, okay, cool, yes, I do want it or no, I don't. Mm. And so being a business owner is about then feeling out, have I found that right kind of, in equilibrium between it being profitable and sustainable for me, but then also a conscious purchase for the person on the other side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that word slow. I mean, it ties into the, the food culture, but I haven't actually heard it woven through the money culture. Yeah. You phrased that yeah. really well.
1: If you look at mainstream marketing, it basically triggers a crazy amount of fear to then quicken the purchasing um, cycle and it reduces like price sensitivity or making the prices as low as possible kind of remove so many barriers that make us stop and pause in that place of conscious choice. Mm. Yep. So then we just consume. And if we're not aware of it or we haven't, you know, really sat down and thought about something, then it's like, how did I come home with all these bags of stuff? Yeah. And yeah. I get trapped in cupboard or somewhere yeah. So I feel actually is, important to for yourself to the consumer
0: Mm, yeah I feel like the word slow has the same basis whether it's attached to the fashion industry or the food our food culture or money Yep. yeah
1: well it just allows for consideration doesn't it yeah it's like let me reflection
0: really yep Sorry, I just said reflection. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and that's essentially what we really need at the moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We need some more time. We need to pause. We need like pattern interrupts. Mm-hmm. Yes, that we're not unconsciously doing things. Um, because one thing that I've noticed about living in a country where I don't speak the language and I can't read any of really any of the, <laughs> the words that are around me, that I'm basically immune to marketing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and i've just noticed how little i pay attention to signs around me and pictures of things and to be honest even prices because um like you know they still use the same numbers as us in english but i've just kind of tuned out for that and instead i'm paying attention to the other things around me because those things aren't as noisy
0: mm. Would an example be like the person who's serving you? Is that what you mean or what, what would be an example?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Like the smell, like say we're in a restaurant, like well, half the, the taverns here don't really even have a menu. <laughs> <laughs> they just tell you what they've got and you, you pick from that. But, like, um, I do live in a a city. And so as I'm walking down the street and I'm looking at things around me, I'm taking note of maybe what's different to Australia. I'm having a look at the different trees that are around. I'll look, you know, this is, look at those mountains over there I hadn't noticed previously. Um, So it's like I'm taking in the world around me as opposed to having all this noise and stuff. So there's still pictures up, you know, and there's still catalogs going out. But I don't look at any of it because I can't read it.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's like it's um made me made me like in a bubble. <laughs> yeah. I guess
0: you could say. Yeah. So I guess to to flip it to more of a self self assessing type of angle, um. You have commented to me that what business does ask of us is for us to be clear on how we would like to behave and act around and with money. We have to be clear on our internal junk and conditioning that's accumulated over the years of messaging from society in unhealthy ways so i guess um you know my personal experience with that when working with you is just trying to identify um through one of the quizzes that you've got on your website um what what attachment attachment would that be the right word what attachment we have to money and how we use money and then how we can either um change that or continue to support that
1: you know how um you might find this in your work as well around food um but it's almost as if money or food is um and the way that we behave around it is a bit of a messenger on the other things that are also happening in our lives Mm. so whether so like in saying whether we're attached to it you know some people are attached to food some people are attached to spending or earning it can actually be an addiction for some people um to earn a lot or to keep growing Mm. um so the, the interesting thing that I've noticed around money is that as I started working with small business owners is that it was so much more personalized than when it was working with other people in the corporate world. And it resulted in me going back and retraining as well as a certified money coach around Mm -hmm. behavioural aspects. But what was, I guess, the more interesting part about the behaviours is that they were just like the external, I guess, way of seeing what was happening internally. So when it came to, say, observing somebody who was extremely resistant to looking at their bank balance, then diving into what that was about was really about looking at what we had internalised from our parents or, you know, older generations. It was about societal conditioning and what we've been told, particularly around, you know, like we, we're we all well aware that we have been conditioned and told that hard work equals success. Mm. Being busy equals being, you know, accepted in society. Like there's all these underlying messages that were being given. And when you own your own business, you can't escape it. You can't go, okay, I'm just going to clock off because it's, you know, the end of the week and not think about it. People are working really long hours or they're working through weekends or we're doing things we don't want to do. And then it's about, I guess, then reflecting internally and going, wait a second, what have I picked up here? And that's what I mean by kind of like internal junk Mm. um, at times Mm. because it doesn't serve us. It's not for us. It's something that has been either told to us or we picked up from um you know just our parents or or working in a place that maybe isn't the best fit for us mm. and then it's about going how can I now start to clear this stuff out how can I um create my own true to self way of working mm. um, and be okay with potentially you know being different to the rest of <laughs> you know, most people that are working Yeah. because I want to go forward now and do something that's more healthy. So for me, I remember saying, I don't think I could ever work full time again mm. I, after leaving the corporate world, having kids and the rest of it. Maybe I'll change my mind, you know, once I, my kids are out of the house or whatever, but I just couldn't see how we truly stay well and healthy and have time in, you know, the natural world. Um, and, work full-time and so I was like well this is just the choice I'm going
0: to make and that's a big piece yeah and that's a big piece of it is is um honoring the natural world right or how we how we um healthfully fit into that if you disassociate from it you can continue the pattern but we can always choose a new pattern that serves us that also allows us to be connected to the natural world or yeah
1: yeah and you can disassociate and but that doesn't mean that at the end of the day you know like like I've been through insomnia I've been through chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia like if I was going to be completely honest you know for me they were lifestyle illnesses Mm. (laughs) they weren't diseases of you know Mm. um, a virus or something else I fixed those by changing my life and what I put in my mouth and how I spent my days and how much time I spent actually in the sunlight and fresh air. Mm. So for me, it was unbelievably apparent that this is the priority if I want to stay well because I'd gone, you know, too far and then paid the price for it. Yeah. So I just had to then draw a line in the sand and go, even though there are many, many people that have no problem with working full time, it's just not for me. I wasn't well.
0: Yeah, and didn't it? There's,
1: there's other ways that that happens too, that that messaging sneaks in, like where, um, you know, if I sit all day at this desk and I work all day in the office, then if I go to the gym for one hour at lunchtime, that compensates for this eight hours of sitting. Mm. And when I realised that was kind of a story we were being told, which is very good for gyms and gym memberships,
2: <laughs> I was
1: like, oh, wait, that that's not working either. Okay, I need to like find a different solution. So it was kind of like, I guess, when we run, around, run our own business, um, like we get to choose how we exist each day or how we're going to set it up. Like this is, I guess, pulling in the piece of intentional business design. Mm. A lot of people reactively create their businesses. Like I am ha- really good at providing this product or service. Now I'm going to put it out to market and offer it to these people. These people will pay this much. Okay, yep. And now I'm going to make all these other things around my business work to be able to do those those three things Mm. but that's in a very reactive way if we want to set up a business proactively we almost need to sit down and do the self-reflection and go how do I best exist in this world how much time do I really need outdoors or indoors am I a morning person am I a nighttime person Mm. do I have kids do I have pets do I have elderly family members that need my support also how does this other piece of the puzzle that makes me feel well and connected in society fit into providing this product or service that I love? And then how can I put that to market at a price that is sustainable and profitable but also enacts discernment in the consumer? Mm. And then this kind of intentional business design can fit in local economies and it can fit in, um, you know, new ways of doing things where price is not the decision maker and we're not um, negating
0: our own needs mm. for the sake of putting out something to market.
1: Mm. yeah and so I
0: think that that's that that's exactly what I love about what you offer and what you do is it's it's remembering the person behind the business and knowing that we have a choice as a small business owner to create a business that actually serves us. Um, yes, we may be serving the needs of others through the product or service that we offer but we have to remember if the business is going to be sustainable, we have to serve ourselves first. And just as I've been doing with you, you know, going through that filtration process of working out, you know, what our priorities, what my priorities are and preferences and what my personality is and all of those things that um, will allow me to, you know, continue to thrive.
1: Yeah, definitely. So if you, if you haven't stopped and paused, say, you know, you're like working full time, doing all the things, you know, busy, busy, there is no time to stop and really ponder about your priorities and your preferences and your personality, because like, when do you have time for that, really? Mm. Um, so one of the key pieces, I think, of then setting up this intentional business design or to have a self-reflection, you know, or your own inner compass as a key piece of, Of how you're going to do things going forward is to create the time and space to do that and to to either have somebody ask you the questions or to spend a lot of time pulling that information together because until we know ourselves well enough you know as opposed to just doing what everybody else does you know or doing Mm. whatever is considered the norm then it's very hard to set up a business that really feels like it is keeping you well Mm and also making you financially well because um yeah i just find that particularly as women we tend to kind of um you know uh dilute what we want from our business it's just like oh just enough to get by will be good you know Mm. um as long as i'm only working during the week it doesn't matter if it's 10 hour days but as long as i'm only working during the week and i get the weekend off that would be good but like really knowing ourselves is going, actually, full-time work doesn't work for me for some reason. Whatever it is, it just doesn't make me feel well. Mm. So I'm not going to do that, mm. you know. And then for somebody else, it might be that they're like, I just can't be indoors. I need to accept that I need lots of sunlight, you know, and lots of fresh air. Mm.
2: Uh, so but there's
1: going to be key pieces for every person, I think. But that requires you to know yourself well. Mm. And um, what I was going to say to that is that then when you start piecing your business together and reflecting upon that, we have to let go of societal norms like say four weeks holiday. So one thing I discuss quite often with people is why why only four weeks off? Like, are you even getting four weeks off? You know? Mm. So um, I was chatting to a business owner recently in Ireland, and she's like, "I just I need nine weeks. Like, I she you know works con- pretty consistently throughout the whole year." but over Christmas and the summer here, she's like nine weeks actually makes me feel really well. And I was like, brilliant. Let's make sure you can earn as you know, the amount of money you need to live the life you like in the 52 weeks minus the nine weeks holidays. Mm. Let's set it up that way and price from that point because we know that will keep you well.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think what you offer is not just that um, – obviously that talking piece of of nutting out the person's personality and then designing the business around that but also I'm sure that um accountant background that corporate background however you want to label that or categorize that creates um the structure and support to know that if we move these puzzle pieces here we can make this work and this is our goal and this is how we're going to reach it
1: yes so yeah, that's the interesting thing about getting the clarity. So I don't use a lot of complicated spreadsheets anymore, but I do use some simple ones that can show us kind of annualized if we do this, so say we pick this price point for a particular offer, if we then do this many consultations with people across these months, taking out, you know, whatever holidays you need, what does that actually, you know, look like? Is that even close to the amount of money that you require because then we're no longer winging it you know or hoping that we're pricing um in a way that it's going to work out Mm. but we're then actually putting i guess those foundation blocks in place so yeah i agree that it's it's all well and good to then go yep I want this many holidays, you know, Mm. or, you know, like you hear a lot of talk about laptop lifestyles or Mm. um, four-hour work weeks, whatever it is. Mm. But I'm very big on actually let's see how this is going to pan out Mm. because sometimes we think charging $80 an hour or $90 $90 an hour might be enough. But then when we do the numbers on it, it's like, ah, no, we're not there yet. Mm. (laughs) We need to shift this up. And that's how we know if we're um, really running it sustainably because when we're underpricing, which might be at the same level as other people in your field, but it doesn't mean that what is sustainable and profitable for them is the same for you.
2: Mm.
1: So it's like, okay, now we run the numbers, what does this actually mean?
2: Um, Mm.
1: Which can be scary for some people because I think that the idea of either having to increase your prices or even to look at those numbers mm. can feel quite overwhelming, mm. but then it's, you know, kind of like how can we do this in a gentle kind of way?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's, it's truth, not so much the pricing of things or the new pricing, the the crunching of the numbers or the piece before that, where people actually have to sit with their goal and what lifestyle they're wanting um, do the numbers and work out if that if that price adjustment or that um, goal, depending which end you look at it from um, feels right. They can either reassess the goal and reassess the lifestyle that they dream of um, I don't know if that was phrased very well actually I um, it may take longer to get there. could be a different way yes. of saying it. yeah yeah
1: this is the interesting thing when we speak frequently in vague
0: terms let's say like because yeah actually
1: like you know money is such a taboo subject how dare we speak about it apparently the research shows that people would prefer to speak more about their sex lives than about money
0: yeah right um,
1: which I find hilarious <laughs> so I'm like I'm not so sure about that I think I'd rather talk about money publicly any day but, um so when we speak in vague terms you know like say let's say minimalism or luxury lifestyle like who knows whether a luxury lifestyle for one person is uh $70,000 a year lifestyle or a two million dollar lifestyle yep (laughs) you know like luxury is subjective Mm -hmm. and it's the same with minimalism you can be a minimalist but that lifestyle still might cost you a million dollars a year or it could cost you $30,000 a year Mm. who knows But the thing about getting clarity around our numbers personally and in business is that we get to stay in our own lane and do our own thing. Mm. So if I know that I need $70,000 a year to live or maybe I'm living in England or Australia and you need like more than that, if you've got a family of four, who knows what's happening in the background too. Like They could be supporting family members. They could be caring for somebody who has a lot of medical costs. Mm. So knowing what we want, really is on this spectrum of being say like resentful around what we're earning or feeling well remunerated Mm. so if i know i need say like seventy thousand a year then i could be earning that and feeling so unbelievably well remunerated and be stoked you know my emotional reaction to it is like yippee we're we're kicking butt you know this is Mm. great but then for somebody else who has maybe a million dollar lifestyle they're like this is not going to cut it I'm Mm. feeling resentful here Mm. so this is where it's important to understand what we want and what our business is capable of because then we can kind of align these things we can act in a way that is congruent with our goals because we know what is required of us Mm. and what we're actually not prepared to do to earn that money so then we can start adjusting things and we it puts ourselves in a really kind of proactive place to go right, I have a business at the moment, the way that it's set up with the amount of people that I can see that can earn this much, but I really need this much to live. What do I need to tweak or do or fine tune to line these two things up? Mm. That also means then when somebody starts talking about running a six-figure business or a seven-figure business, you can kind of just let that go. You're just like, nah, that suits you because I over here know exactly what I want.
0: Mm. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so how can people reach you?
1: I have um, a website. So my business name is Vallo Financial, so V-A-L-O, and there's a website with that. Um, I'm also on Instagram a bit, just posting ideas and a couple of videos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so people can check out the website, I think, or Instagram and see what I'm up to
0: and um, what's your pictures of Greece. I know. Oh, I, yeah, I adore Greece. Um, what's your Instagram handle? It
1: is Linda underscore Bello financial.
0: Mm, awesome. Okay. Well, I've really enjoyed talking about, um, mm, health and money and, a way that you phrase it is being financially well. Um, yeah, I I think it's, as you agree, I think it's something that needs to be spoken of more. And I just think it's it's such a core piece and, and also a passion of mine um, that's kind of just been sitting on the sideline for years that small business owners... Um, can choose to take better care of themselves they don't have to wear all the hats and burn themselves out and glorify that along the way
1: and I actually think that a small business in itself is essentially equivalent to like grassroots activism
2: Mm. because you then
1: innately get to choose and change the trajectory of how things are consumed or how the environment or people are treated Mm. so i think sometimes small business owners underestimate how much impact they really have just by being themselves Mm. and doing what they do well
0: Mm. yeah oh my gosh and oh we can all benefit from slowing (laughs) consumerism oh my god that's a that's a Uh, that's a thorn thorn in my side (laughs) yeah yeah okay well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today linda
1: thank you for having me
0: thanks for tuning in to the wellness alchemy podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and review and share with your community to help spread the word beyond the seeds of health corner of the globe As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, if you're wanting any one-on-one support through naturopathy, nutrition or herbalism, or looking for a fabulous retreat to reset your system, please check out more information at seedsofhealth.com.au. Bye for now.